Well, uh, last week was, uh, uh, it was a great time, uh, a time of being able to celebrate the baptisms of many or a few of our uh, members here today. And what a miracle that is, the miracle of life change, the, the gospel getting in and impacting a person's life. Uh, it, it was so good to hear these amazing testimonies of God at work in the lives of people who at one time were very much dead to the Lord, but now are very much alive in Christ. And one of the things that we talked about in the message last week is how I wanted you to ask yourself this question. What is it that wows you? What wows you? In a world, the world that we live in today, there's all this information, there's all this technology at our fingertips, and I wonder, is there anything really anymore that makes us say, wow? Two weeks ago, we, it was Easter Sunday, we talked about the resurrection, right? How Jesus Christ came to this earth, he lived the perfect life, even though he, he uh, had lived the perfect life and didn't deserve to die, he died anyways. He, he, he was crucified on a Roman cross, and he went to the cross, not because he deserved it, but because we did, because of our sin. He, he, he did it in order that we might have an opportunity to have a relationship with the Holy God of the universe. We, we talked about how uh, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we too, who are followers of Jesus, will experience a resurrection of our own one day. And that impacts the way that we live our lives. Even now, even right today, it impacts how we're going to live. And because of the resurrection, we don't really need a bucket list anymore. Because there's going to be plenty of time for everything that is good, everything that is holy, everything that is wholesome in eternity. I think about that and I think, you know, that ought to wow us. Last week, we talked about a changed life, and, and what greater miracle is there than a human heart being changed by Jesus Christ? I mean, that ought to wow us. Today's message is entitled, Christ in Me, because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is not in some temple somewhere where only a priest or a pastor can, can have access Instead, the Spirit of God lives inside of each and every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. Several weeks, years ago, um, a friend of mine invited me to a dinner at the Chicago Union League Club. It's located downtown in the financial district. Now, this is an exclusive club. You have to have some money in order to be a member of this club. And a lot of people who have memberships at this place are successful businessmen financial advisors, lawyers, doctors, politicians. And the first time I went to this place, that was a real wow for me. My friend tells me, you know, I want to invite you to come to a dinner with me at this place. And, and I want you to meet me downtown outside of this building. And you got to meet me outside of the building because they're not going to let you in unless I'm with you. And, and he says, and oh, by the way, make sure that you wear a suit because that's required dress attire in order to get into this place. And so I get all dressed up in my best suit and I go down and I get on the train and I, I, I uh, ride the train downtown. I go a couple of blocks, uh, walk to this club. Sure enough, my friend is waiting for me outside there, and we go inside, and there are these two guys who are standing there in the entrance of this building. 
and ask for the membership, our membership cards. Now, I don't have one, but my, my, my friend, he pulls his out and he shows it. And he says, hey, he's with me too. And, and they look at me and they, they ask for my ID and I have to sign something. And they say, okay, well, welcome into the Union League Club here. And I thought, wow, I mean, I can't believe that I'm actually in this place. Well, we walk into the, this uh, beautiful building, and there are these stone steps, marble or something like that, that we're walking up, and this gorgeous banister that's made out of walnut wood uh, on the staircase there. We get to the top of the stairs, and there is this big banquet room, and all of these round tables are in there prepared for this dinner that we're going to have together. There are these other people who are there as well, and my friend starts introducing me to these people, people that I had never met before, but people who he clearly knew. And these were people who uh, you, you probably would have seen on the local news, people who are very influential in the city. Now, I didn't know them, I knew about them, but I was actually getting to meet them and greet them and shake their hands and talk to them, and that was a wow. Well, we, we sit down at this dinner, and this is not some kind of like fish and chips uh, type of meal or uh, grilled cheese or mac and cheese or something like that. No, this is a five-course meal with steak. I mean, we're talking filet mignon. It was so good. It really was. Uh, during the meal, uh, they, they had this guy come in and he gives this speech and he's a motivational speaker and his story was quite incredible. This guy's name was Kyle Maynard, and he's a mountain climber. Now, what's unique about Kyle Maynard is that he was born as a paraplegic. He has no arms, no legs, and yet that doesn't stop him. I mean, this guy climbed some of the highest mountains in all of the world, and now he's traveling around the United States telling people his story. And what an incredible story it was. And all I could say was, wow. Here's the point, though. Just think about this. Uh, how did I get access to this building? How did I get access into this club? How did I get access to all of these benefits? Well, it was through my friend, right? It was through his membership there. I mean, without him, I wouldn't even be allowed into the building. Without him, I, I would be sitting at home eating leftovers or something like that. Without him, I wouldn't even be able to talk to all of those people that I got to meet and greet that day. But because of him, I gained access to this amazing experience at the Chicago Union League Club. You know, when God created the first human beings, he creates Adam and Eve. And he freely walked through the garden, God did. And he was accessible to anyone who wanted to talk to him, anyone who wanted to speak to him there. Then, a little bit later, God uh, tells the Israelites, he tells them that he wants them to build this tabernacle. It's this big tent. And, and the tabernacle, uh, in the tabernacle, there's, God meets and speaks with Moses. He talks to him face to face, but only Moses and no one else, everyone else has to stand at a distance. They, they just can observe from far away. Then a little bit later, Solomon, who is the king of Israel at the time, he builds this elaborate temple for God. In the temple, there's this place called the Holy of Holies, and it is the most sacred place that you could be. 
It was said that God's presence fully dwelt there in the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to make this sacrifice for the people's sins. But only the high priest could go in there. Everyone else had to stay out. Everyone else was strictly forbidden. And this was such a serious matter that before the high priest even went into the Holy of Holies, he had to perform a series of sacrifices, a series of cleansings for his own sin and for the sin of his family. And then they would tie this rope around his ankle so that just in case he happened to die when he was in the Holy of Holies, no one else could go in there and pull him out. And so they would grab a hold of the rope and pull him out. And so with that as the backdrop, I want to read to you a verse from the New Testament. And, you know, this is a verse that ought to wow you, but I'll I'll say, honestly, at first, you probably won't be all that impressed with this. But, but, but if you were a part of the group of people who first heard this, this is their first time that they heard this, this would have been like a fall off of your donkey. You know, you've got to be kidding me. I, I, I'm going to go jump in the Jordan River. This is unbelievable kind of stuff. And Paul is writing here, he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, and here's what he says. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own? You know, many of us, we read that verse and we say, okay, my body's the temple. I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? But if you're reading these words 2,000 years ago, and when these things were first written, you would have said, what? I mean, wait a second here. Are you telling me that the same spirit that was in the temple, that elaborate, amazing building of God where he dwells, you're telling me that the same spirit that is of God is actually living inside of me, that I am a temple? You're telling me that the spirit that is in the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place, the, the, the place where only the high priest can go in, that's living in me? You're telling me that I don't have to be a priest and I don't have to be a pastor, but that God's spirit is living in every believer, lives in me? That's a wow. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. It's mind-boggling, right? Romans chapter 8 and verses 10 and 11 say it this way. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul says that if you've come to faith, that the same spirit that took the lifeless body of Jesus Christ and got that blood flowing and that heart beating once again lives in you. The same spirit that took the breathless body of Jesus and poured the, the oxygen into his lungs once again lives in you. The same spirit that brought dead things back to life, that spirit lives in every single person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, as human beings, we've learned how to harness some really amazing powers. We've been able to learn about things like the atomic bomb. 
And yet we have never been able to figure out how to bring a dead person back to life again. And the Bible says that kind of power, that same power that raised Jesus' uh, dead body back to life lives inside of you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that, that ought to wow you, friends. David, Moses, Elijah, you know, these great heroes of the Old Testament, they might approach you in heaven one day and say, hey, could you tell me what that was like? I mean, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead was living inside of you and you were just walking around? I mean, you were just driving your car, you're talking to people, and he was living inside of you? What did that feel like? And they might come up to you and say, well, that same spirit that was living in the temple that dwelt in the temple dwells in you. And David's like, you know what? I couldn't even go into the temple. I was the king. I wasn't the high priest. Uh, That spirit is living inside of you. I mean, that must have been an amazing thing. And sadly, some of us are going to look and say, well, I don't know. I mean, I've never really thought about it too much. It's because we have never learned to access Christ's power at work within us. You don't need to raise your hand here this morning, but many of us, I want want us to just kind of think about, maybe many of us are are at a place in our lives, or maybe we've been at a place in our lives at one point where you say, you know, I, I just don't know what to do anymore. I, I, I'm just stuck right now. I've tried so hard. It's just not working out. I've worked at this. I've tried my very best. And yet I can't figure this thing out. And and no matter what I do, I have the same issues in this relationship happening over and over again. The same issues at work, at school, at home. I mean, I just don't know what to do. I, I just don't have the power to overcome this. How many of us are in a situation or a circumstance in life where we're maybe a little bit worried about this particular thing? Maybe for you, there's a meeting that's coming up at work and it could go either way. Or maybe you have a friend that is engaging in some destructive behavior. And you know that God wants you to say something to them, but you're a little bit worried about what they're going to say back to you. Maybe you've caught one of your kids lying. Or maybe uh, you're getting bullied at school. Maybe you've you've had this falling out with a business partner. Or you just have this friendship that is fractured and this relationship is going nowhere. Maybe you've gotten some really bad news recently. I mean, I don't have to tell you. Life is difficult. Life is hard. But what if I were to tell you that there is a power that is available to you? There is a power that, that, is, that, that can overcome sin, a power that can get you through the difficult circumstances of life. And that power is accessible. That power is in you. That is Christ in you. But you have to learn to access that power. You have to learn how to allow that power to work in and through you. You say, well, how am I going to do that? I mean, how is that? Tell me. How I could do that? Well, I'm going to give you three things here this morning in order to experience Christ's power at work in your life. Number one, you need to let go of yourself. You need to let go of yourself. You know, too many times I wake up and I realize that this past week or two has been all about me. 
my opportunities and my circumstances and my situation, my relationships, my feelings, it's all about me, 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 me. If you want to experience the power of Christ in your life, then you need to let go of yourself. I want you to listen to what the Bible has to say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This has always been one of my favorite verses. And Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means that Paul says that he's, he has to die. That, that, that's what crucifixion is. It's, it's about death. And that's why he even says there, it is no longer I who live. Which, uh, which means that uh, my life isn't so much about me, 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 me. And your life isn't so much about you, 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 you. That, that really, we find life when we trust in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Well, when we come to trusting God, this is so crucial because uh, we have to learn how to receive this and not how to just work and find it in our own strength and in our own power. Now, just give you a little illustration maybe that will help you on this. In our family, we've decided uh, that we're going to give our kids uh, a weekly allowance. And we want them to learn how to value money. We want them to learn uh, about buying things and saving and tithing. And on top of the money that we give them, uh, grandparents and other relatives give them money as well, sometimes for their birthday or Christmas or other times like that. Well, if you have kids or if you have grandkids, you know that every kid is a little bit different, right? That even if they're in the same family, they, they all uh, operate a little differently. That some of them spend every penny that they've got and others won't spend anything ever. Well, uh, we try to help guide our kids in this process, try to help them learn along the way. And I remember a few years ago how one of our kids uh, wanted this particular toy really, really badly. They had been saving their money, and literally it was like two weeks away from their birthday. Now, Sue and I had been talking about what we were going to do for their birthday, and, and we had decided that we would go ahead and purchase this toy that they wanted so badly for their birthday. Well, one day uh, I had to go to the store and finish up the grocery shopping. And so I go over to Meyer, and some of the kids come along with me. And we are walking past the toy section and uh, I hear this, these voices that are saying to me, Jason, uh, dad, I mean, dad, um, would you please let us go look at the toys? Can we go down the toy aisle, dad? And, you know, being the great dad that I am, I said, sure, what does it hurt to look? Now, I know that some of you are saying, that was your first mistake when you said that. <laughs> Kids are looking up and down the aisle, and the one whose birthday is two weeks away comes running over to me with this toy in their hands that they want so badly. And they say, you know what? Dad, I've been saving my money, and I want to buy this thing. Can I please, please buy this today? And I look at them and I say, well, I'm sorry, but your birthday is coming up really close. And, and you know, you're probably going to get some presents during that time. And, and so you're not able to buy. I'm not going to let you buy that today. You could buy it after your birthday if you still want it. Now, 
I, 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 you would have thought that in that moment that I had said the most uh, hurtful, harmful, mean thing that you could possibly say because they say to me, Dad, that's not fair. I mean, you never let us buy anything. Uh, you know what? I have my own money. I've been saving my money, and you won't even let me spend my own money on this thing. All of my friends have this toy, and you know what? You never buy us anything. Well, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, you know what, if you only knew, I've already bought this for you. It's at home. The toy is at, is, is at home. You know, just put the toy back and you're going to get it in a few days. I wish I would have recorded that moment in, that, in, the, in the store because, and then been able to play it back on their birthday when they opened the present, but I didn't. But here's the point, you know, they already had the toy. I just wanted them to trust me. And to receive it as this gift instead of trying to earn it and trying to get it for themselves. When it comes to the power of Christ, when it comes to the Spirit of God living and working inside of us, God says, you know what, if you're a believer, you already have it. You don't have to try and work to get this power in you. But you already have it. All you need to do is trust. You need to rely on the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. So how do we do this in really practical ways? Well, you know, I told you about that meeting or that we talked about earlier where you're a little nervous, not sure how it's going to go. It could really go either way. You know, you're about to enter into this meeting. And what if you just stopped for a moment and you said, God, I know that the spirit who lives in me is greater than he who is in the world. And so as I go into this meeting, Lord, just help me to trust you. You are sovereign. You're in control. You know what's best for me. I'm trusting you in this and with this situation. Maybe you're dealing with a difficult teacher. Maybe you're dealing with a bully at school. You walk in and you see this person and you just pray, God, you know what? Would you just remind me that the spirit of Christ who lives in me is greater than he who is in the world. And I don't have to care what, what the, the other people say or do to me today. That nothing is going to take away Christ in me. It, it just can't happen. And maybe you're in a situation where you're just struggling with sin in your life. And maybe it's anger and maybe it's unforgiveness and maybe it's something else. But you just start to pray, God, you know what? I have the same spirit in me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so, God, I pray that you would put that spirit on display in my life, that you would break these chains once and for all, that, that I would be able to overcome this sin in my life. And you know what? We need to pray that prayer, not just once or twice, but we need to pray that prayer every day. We need to pray that prayer moment by moment. As we pray like that, that we will start to let go of ourselves and tap into the power of Christ at work in us. Here's a second way that we can gain access to the power of Christ in us, and that is that we have to seek to be holy. Seek to be holy. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he writes throughout his letters and he references frequently how we as believers are the temple, that Christ dwells in us, that the Spirit lives in us. We've already read this morning from Romans and Galatians and 1 Corinthians. 
And uh, those are all letters that were written by Paul. But I want us to look at a passage here this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And so if you have a Bible with you or you can grab one in the pew rack in front of you, open that app on your phone, that Bible app. But join me, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The fact that the Spirit and the power of God Himself dwells in every Christian is an incredible act of grace. Now, uh, of course, there, God could have chosen to do it differently, but He didn't. Because he, he wants for you and I, you and I are so important to Him that He actually wants to be in us. He wants to be with us along the journey of life. I'm going to start reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And we're going to read down through the end of the chapter and then into chapter 7 and verse 1. So you have the Bible open in front of you and here's what the Word of God says. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belel, which is another word for Satan? Or what portion does the believer share with the unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And now chapter 7 and verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And Paul says, you know what, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? You see, if God dwells in you, you just can't keep living the way that the world lives. You've been bought with a price. You've been called to be holy. You've been called to be different. You've been called to be set apart. You are called to be used by God. In verse 14, he says, what fellowship has light with darkness? That the values of the kingdom of God and the values of the world are different. And there is friction between these two ideas. And so if you're finding that you are fitting in perfectly in this world, that there is no difference between the way that you live and the way that your unsaved family members or co-workers or neighbors are living, then I'm telling you that you have a real problem with the way that you're living. We are called to be holy. We are called to be set apart. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying, I know that there are some people who have this idea that they just like to be different just because. They, they, they do whatever they can just to do the opposite of everyone else. That they like tension. They like to create this friction. But that is not what Paul's saying here. Instead, what he's talking about is our worldview. He's talking about our vision. He's talking about our values. And he's talking about the way that we live our lives. We believe in God. We believe in salvation. We believe in righteousness. We believe in grace and forgiveness and life and eternity. We believe in living a way that would reflect the image of God every day in and through us. 
God has given us specific instructions on how we should live, how we should handle our own sexuality, how we should handle our finances, how we should handle uh, the relationships that we have and what they should look like, what we should think about and how we should handle conflict. The Bible addresses all of these different areas of life. And what we see is that we have a choice to make. We can either do it the way that the world does it, we can live the way that the world lives, or we can live the way that God lives. And Paul says, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to stand firm in the midst of this world of ungodliness is if you reflect Jesus Christ and live for him and allow him to live through you in the way that you live. God created you the way that he did for a reason. He gives you the instructions on how to live the life that he has given you for a reason. He he didn't just tell you that so that you could do it on your own, but then he gives you the power to be able to live the way that he's called you to live. He has placed his spirit within you. What an incredible thing that is. I truly believe that if we commit ourselves to living lives of holiness before God, That God will honor that. That God will bless that. You know, I wonder sometimes if maybe some of us, uh, some of the ways that we're feeling, we feel like stuck in life. Maybe we feel like we're struggling in life. We feel like we're experiencing this pain in life because we have refused to repent of our sin, the sin in our lives. We know that there are things that we're doing that are wrong, but we just keep doing them anyway. The truth is that uh, we've, we, we've, uh, we've been given everything that we need. We, we can be free and experience freedom in life. We can experience the power of Christ within us. What better way to live, not on our own, but with Christ living in us. You know, when we, when we live on our own, when we try to do things our own way, the reason why we feel burdened, that's the reason why we feel burdened. That's the reason why we feel wounded and beaten down. Because we try to live in our own strength and our own power. A few days ago, Pastor Eden and I are sitting in church and uh, we're in the offices down there. And the internet goes out uh, in the other part of the building. Now it's still working in the offices, but it's not working on the other side in the classroom areas back here. And I thought, you know, that's kind of strange. I mean, why would the internet work one place and not work in another place? And so I started walking around. We're kind of checking things, making sure that the connections are all right and everything like that. But we can't figure out what the problem is. And I'm just sitting there and I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a huge mess. How are we ever going to fix this? And um, then I had this idea that came to my mind and I thought, you know what, I I should maybe go around and check the breakers. You know, we have these, uh, we have an old building and sometimes the breakers get turned off. And and, and so I thought, you know, I, I walked around, I checked a few of the breaker boxes. I get into the men's bathroom and sure enough, one of the breakers had been turned off. And all I did was I just pushed that button, turned it back on. And soon, in a matter of minutes, the internet was back on all over the building. Here's my point. When we don't confess and repent of our sin, we kind of turn off the power of Christ in our lives. We sit around and we say, well, you know what? If Christ is in me, then, then, then how come I feel like he isn't really at work in me? How come I feel like, like there's no power here? Well, Paul says you can't live the way that you want to. You can't be partners with the world and at the same time be partners with God. It just doesn't work that way. And so if you don't feel like you have the power of God at work in your life, then here's what you need to do. 
You need to check those outlets. You need to check those breakers. You know, sin can be this uh, thing that would short-circuit the power of God in your life. And what you need to do is to turn the power back on, to repent of sin, to run away from sin, to get back and get your eyes focused back on Christ and walk towards Him and let Him lead you. When you do that, His power becomes present once again in your life. You know, we need to seek holiness in our lives day by day, moment by moment. Well, here's a third way that you can access the power of Christ in you, and that is that you need to pray. You need to pray because the power, uh, the, because prayer is the thing that releases God's power in your life. I'm telling you that the power that you need in life for the situations that you want to overcome, that you need to overcome, is not that you just have to work harder, that I just need to be stronger, I just need to find it within myself. No, instead what you need is Christ at work in you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 through 16 say it this way. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want you to know that there is no limit to the power of God at work in you. And God doesn't say, well, you know what, I helped you last week, and now you're coming and asking me for help again this week? Forget it, I'm not helping you anymore. No, there's no limit to the power of God in a person's life. He is greater than your greatest problem. His grace is greater than your greatest sin. Jeremiah chapter 32 says it this way. All oh Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. And maybe that's just the thing that you needed to hear today. That nothing is too hard for God. That the circumstances of your life that, that feel so overwhelming, that feel so hard, that, that feel like, like you just can't do it anymore. Well, God says, you know what? Nothing is too hard for me. There's not one circumstance or situation that is too hard for God. And guess what? Christ is in you. But you, you don't just take my word for it. I want you to experience that for yourself. You've got to experience it for yourself. You know, under, under this bag here this morning, I have some Swedish fish, all right? You know, there are a lot of things in life that I love. There are a few things in life that I love, I guess I should say. I love my wife, and I love my kids, and I love my parents, and, and I love sports. But you know what? I also love Swedish fish. Now, just in case uh, some of you are getting some kind of idea, um, I'm trying to actually not eat Swedish fish so much, so... Please don't buy me a whole bunch of Swedish fish this week. Um, I know that I'm getting older and Swedish fish aren't good for me and uh, all of that. So, uh, but I love Swedish fish so much. You know, I, I, I start opening the bag and I begin to salivate. My, my mouth begins to water because I've tasted these things before. And, you know, I could, I could read the ingredients off of the back here for you. And it says things like sugar and invert sugar and a corn syrup, which is also sugar. 
you know, uh, modified cornstarch here and, and citric acid and white mineral oil. But you know what? Even reading that, those ingredients, they would not uh, capture for you the sweet and refreshing goodness that is found in a bag of Swedish fish. I mean, you know, you could hear me talk about this. You could uh, hear other people talk about how great they are. But unless you have tasted them for yourself, you will not know how sweet and tasty these things really are. Well, here's what I believe is true. You know, prayer is how we taste the power of God. You see, you can hear other people talk about prayer. You can hear other people talking about how God has worked in their life. But until you pray yourself, it's going to be like, you know what? God, uh, prayer is just like this intellectual exercise, but you haven't really experienced it. And prayer is how you get to taste God's power at work within you. And Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 says it this way. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want to know the secret to life and what the secret to life is, how, how you can overcome your problems in life, well, the secret is Christ in you. Author and speaker Elizabeth Elliot says, the key is Christ in me. Not me in a different set of circumstances. Let me read that again. The key is Christ in me. Not me in a different set of circumstances. And you know what? That's so true. That so many of us today are saying, you know what? God, could you just get me out of these circumstances? Get me out of this job. I just need a new job and then everything would be great in life. Get me out of this neighborhood. If I just had some new neighbors, everything would be perfect. You know, get me out of this school, get me off of this team. God just changed my circumstances. But friends, the secret is not you in some kind of, having some kind of different circumstances. The secret is Christ at work within you. Maybe this morning you're feeling overwhelmed by the difficulties of life. You're feeling burdened down by things that are way too hard for you to carry. And maybe what you need to hear today is that Christ is the Son of God and that He loves you and gave Himself for you. Maybe what you need to hear today is not that you need some different circumstances or that you need a different situation in life, but what you need is Christ at work in you. Or maybe if you have Christ at work in you, maybe what you need to do is you need to begin to pray prayers like this. God, He who is in me is greater than He who is in the world. And so, God, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be held back and and, and discouraged because you live in me. God, I have the same spirit in me that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. And sure, the situation is feeling impossible for me. It is too hard for me to handle. But thank goodness that it is not too hard for you, God. Who needs to be reminded of that today? You know, I want to just pray for us here for a moment that God would reveal His presence in our lives, that He would reveal His power in us, that we would experience Christ at work in us today. And so if you would, just bow your heads with me and let's go to the Lord and pray.